And that failure aspect can dig itself pretty deep within us. Yes. And when I talk about my children, especially because I'm in the process of it, you know, they're only five. So I have so much ahead of me Mm -hmm. and I already fear that failure that I'm not going to be enough for them or that Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to blame me for what their dad chose to do. And I have to, again, speak truth over that, that I'm not a failure, Mm -hmm. that I did not fail him. And that even though I'm broken, I'm human, I'm going to sin, not do everything perfectly, that if I keep showing up, loving unconditionally and trusting that the Lord will take care of us, um, then my children are going to be okay. And so um, just one more. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm giving you too much. No, but let me insert. They're going to be more than okay with God. If you direct them to God, they're going to be more than okay. God is a father to the fatherless. 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 Hey everyone, welcome to the Help I'm Raising Fatherless Kids podcast. I'm your host, Lori Apon, and I'm super excited today to have Chrissy Garland. She's the author of the book, Open Letters to Our Fellow Fighters, and We're going to hear her story. She's going to most likely share transparently how God's been walking her through this journey. I believe she's only a few years in, but it's Suicide Awareness Week. And so it just was fitting to have Chrissy, who's really in the trenches with you out there to share her story. So welcome, Chrissy. Thank you so much for having me. And I just really appreciate being on especially this important week where we need to be having this conversation. Yes. And I want to say right from the beginning, I don't know who our listeners are, but if you are listening today and for some reason you are thinking about suicide, or maybe you're worried about a friend or a loved one who needs this emotional support, there's a suicide lifeline network. It's available 24-7 across the United States. And I'll give you that number. The new number right now is 988. They made it really easy. Yeah. If you need help, call 988 and reach out for help, please. Also, moms, today, this is not a conversation for little ears, most likely. So we are going to be talking about suicide and If this is part of your story, you just may not be ready for your children to hear this conversation today. So I want to let you know that. But suicide is part of my story. If you haven't heard my story, you can go back to the foundational episodes of this podcast where I share my story so that you know who who I am and where I'm coming from when I'm talking about raising fatherless children. I did raise fatherless children by suicide. That was the choice my husband made. And so we're not getting into my story today because I want to hear Chrissy's story. And the goal of the podcast today is just to talk mom to mom about processing, forgiving, and healing from suicide ourselves and with our children. And the purpose is to give you comfort and hope. And we pray that God will restore your soul and restore the soul of your children. We know that he will. I understand that the content around this topic could make an entire series. And maybe one day over time, we'll do that. But if you are interested in some more information on this topic, Perspective Ministries is putting out a resource. I hope it's ready this week. At the time of this recording, we're feverishly trying to get it ready, but it will include some of the following topics, the seduction of suicide, the sin of suicide, the question, is suicide the unpardonable sin, the sovereignty of God in suicide? How do you tell children about the suicide death of a parent? And then we have promises and prayers for you. So that resource hopefully will be available. We'll put in the show notes how you can get that. Suicide does add layers to the grief process. And for me, it added years to the healing. Again, I hadn't really experienced death before, especially not death of a husband. But I know following the timeline, that's not the same for everyone. I would always find myself 
in a place where I wasn't really where you would think you would be because I was also processing loss by suicide. So if that is your story, mom, just there's not a race to the finish line and there's really not a finish line. I'll tell you that much because 23 years later, I'm still processing what I will never be able to completely process on this side of eternity. I'm just not. And Job said, these are things that are too wonderful for me. And we know Job's story and all that he processed. Suicide wasn't in the story, but all that he processed, he said it's too wonderful. And the word wonderful there means it's just too difficult. So we just come to the place of laying everything at the feet of Jesus and trusting in his sovereignty. Mm -hmm. uh, I desperately needed Jesus as I walked through the deepest, darkest part of the valley. And I held on to the word of God. And that's what I want to encourage you to do, mom, as well. So let's get to Chrissy and your story, Chrissy. So why don't you just tell us a little bit of your story? Thank you again for being here. Well, um, I'm just so thankful for this ministry and just that you are talking about the hard things and and trying to encourage this demographic because oftentimes as widows, as moms, we feel alone. And so I know this ministry has been an encouragement to me. And so I'm just honored to be able to share with, with you and whoever is listening uh, to this podcast. But just a little bit about my story. I am a single mom. I am a widow. And I have two beautiful children, boy-girl twins, and they are five years old. Mm -hmm. And they are the light of my life, as many moms can say about their children, but they also just keep me very busy. And, mm -hmm. and it's hard. It's hard doing this uh, alone. And it, it's difficult um, navigating all of these things. And like you said, layers, there's layers to loss, especially when suicide is involved. And my story is I grew up a uh, pastor's kid ministry, church ministry was a big heart of mine. Um, serving the Lord was a big heart of mine. And I knew that's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And so I went, I went to seminary and that's where I met my husband. And he immediately caught my attention because he was outgoing and loving and kind and relational. And so I could see us doing ministry together. I could see his heart for Jesus. He loved the Lord. He loved people. And it was pretty a uh, quick love story. I would say we, we fell in love pretty quickly. Of course, he knew me before I knew him and somehow showed up at all my classes uh, in <laughs> seminary. <laughs> and he was, he was in his, his master's program uh, for preaching and to become a pastor and started serving as a pastor when we, we started dating and, uh, we, we got married in 2011 and it's just one of those things we were in our twenties. We were excited about life, excited about ministry, but the truth is there were a lot of hardships that came with that. Uh, we had big dreams. We had hopes and, and positive outlook on what our life would look like and mm -hmm. needs to look like mm -hmm. because we both grew up in ministry, yet that was not our personal experience. We, we experienced a lot of burnout in church, a lot of uh, pressure, expectation, and that weighed very heavily on my husband who I didn't know this until later on when we did get married, that he struggled with depression and anxiety. Mm. We always labeled it as you have to be perfect if you're a Christian and especially if you're a pastor. But soon we realized it was more than that. He had a, a mental illness of depression and anxiety. And we tried to fit that in our life as pastors and church leaders. And we spent years trying to figure out hmm. all of that. Um, and then on top of like the stressors of church and the stressors of the mental illness and we also weren't able to have children the first five years of our marriage. Mm -hmm. And so I had a miscarriage and that trauma really weighed heavy on him. And I think that that traumatic event of losing that child midterm was almost kind of a launching pad to all of his stuff going out and not being able to talk about it because he was a pastor was very difficult <laughs> on mm -hmm. us and, mm -hmm. and on me because I didn't, I didn't know how to help him. And 
we'll kind of go into that in a second, but I didn't know how to fix it. And Mm -hmm. as a pastor's kid, as someone who also was in ministry, it's not like I wanted to go share what was going on in our home. And eventually God did bless us with twins, Mm -hmm. but that struggle didn't go away. And then I really believe oftentimes when we hold our pain and our struggles so deep inside of us, it can come out physically. And it did with my late husband, Eric, and he began getting the shingles, uh, which are very painful. And then he was diagnosed with cancer right after my, our twins were born. Oh my, wow. Yes. And so he started taking pain medication that he became addicted to. And he was very honest about how this pain medication was the only thing that helped him feel better Mm. emotionally. Mm. Uh, Physically, it obviously did, but emotionally it did as well. And Mm. so he became just addicted to opioids and that Mm. was another layer. And the church that we were in didn't accept that, didn't know how to help him when he did open up about it, when he did talk about it. And so we were kind of shunned from ministry for a while. And I think all of these things just piled on him. And I remember it was January 4th, 2019. He came in to the house and he had hugged the the kids and they were 18 months old, hugged them, kissed them, walked out the door. And I didn't see him again. Oh, Chrissy. And yes, he had threatened suicide before, but never gone through with it. So in my mind, he was, had a low day and he was struggling and I'd see him that night. And when I didn't hear from him for hours, I went searching for him Mm -hmm. and I didn't find him, but I, I found the area he was in and a pastor friend came and, and the police came and found him and, and he, um, chose to take his life that day. Mm. And it's just, I think it's still hard to talk about because I see him as this amazing man who loved Jesus and gave his whole life to serving the Lord, to being in ministry, to tell people about the love of Christ and the healing power of Christ. Yet he also struggled and you can have both. Mm -hmm. You can experience both. And he didn't know how that fit in his Christian worldview. And he believed the lies that he'd be better off if he wasn't in this world and that we would be better off if he wasn't in this world. Mm-hmm. And he, he verbalized that to me. He, he said that many times. And I, I truly believe he, he believed that in the end. So hard. And I'm so sorry. And I feel it with you because mm-hmm. I, some of my story, some bits, and I'm sure mom's, who have lost your husbands in this way, you're identifying with the same type of loss. Often these men and women on the outside, they're not the likely candidate that we stereotype the person that would make this choice. And that's what's difficult as well for us when we're trying to process everything. And then we'll get into all the other stuff. Again, there's so much on this topic, but how long ago has it been, Chrissy? It's been over three years. Okay. All right. Three years. So you were thrust into grieving your husband, Eric, who you deeply loved, grieving that he went through the pain that brought him to this choice, walking babies through the loss of their daddy, not able to at all understand what's taken place, balancing all the things now so much. So tell us of your experience with suicide before this was part of your story, before your husband started maybe throwing that comment into your conversations. Had you ever thought much about it or did you have any experience with this topic? Well, I mean, here's the uniqueness about my story and our experience is I'm a licensed professional counselor. Mm. I went to school for counseling, marriage and family counseling, and um, behavioral health. And, and so I knew I have a lot of book knowledge mm. on suicide. Mm. So suicide was a part of my work. I committed my life and, and my service to the Lord to help those who struggled with suicidal thoughts mm. and, and wow. depression and anxiety and the struggles that 
seem to make people want to take their life. And, and so my whole work, my job was helping people mm. who struggled with these things. Oh my. Um, and, and that's a whole other, when we talk about guilt and, and what ifs and if onlys, that's a part of my story as well as that I could help other people. But when it was in my own home, I couldn't fix it. I couldn't change it. Yes, I have experience with suicide before, but it is a completely different thing when, when it's staring you in the face and it's in your home and in your everyday life. And so like I said, I have book knowledge about it, but when I was personally going through it with him, it was just completely different. And I remember when he did take his life that day, it just was so unreal. It was like I was watching someone else's life oh, out sure. of my out of my body. I'd tell people it was like I was watching a movie and it just couldn't have been real. So even though it was in my everyday conversations with my clients and counseling, and it was just different when it's in your home and with with my husband and so that's part of the guilt I carry is not being able to fix it and not being able to help him when I could help other people I'm sorry for that Chrissy and I had to just come to the place where I realized I would have had to have been God to stop my husband from making that Mm -hmm. choice and that helped me to get that guilt off of me because that is what the enemy is going to use against us. And he's going to replay all the ways we could have stepped in and been the hero of our story, right? Because mm-hmm. we would definitely give anything to have our husbands here with us and we we love them. And so I understand that guilt and I'm sorry you carry yeah. that. But tell us how how God's using that right now. I know that it's all widows want to find purpose in pain. And yes, I have mixed emotions on that. When you're in the pain right now, the purpose is just to experience grace. You know, I mean, sometimes I think a lot of women look for the purpose before they just really process what they've yeah. just gone through. And that's really important. But there is purpose in pain. The word talks about the purpose of a trial and talk about a trial. This is certainly a trial. (laughs) Carrying the grief for your children is a trial. It's suffering like no other for a mom to carry our grief and the grief of our children. And Mm -hmm. that journey is years and decades. But God is carrying us in that. And so... I often say when we come to this crisis of faith, that's not a bad thing. So mom, I don't know if you know the Lord, or maybe you thought you knew the Lord, or maybe you, he's challenged you on that because he didn't answer your prayer to keep your husband from making this choice, or you never dreamed that this would really be your story. And it is, maybe you're mad at God. Maybe you you don't feel like you can trust God. So I pray that he will meet you in this dark valley because he is good and he is kind even when it doesn't line up with our own definition of what good is and so i do know chrissy that god has opened some doors for you to help many at this point with a book that you wrote open letters to our fellow fighters and it's your mission now to really from my outside looking in you're providing a safe place for other men who are in ministry or who would be the least likely candidate to be struggling with depression or thoughts of suicide and and you're you're sharing their stories so tell us about your mission what have you learned from talking with these hurting people mm-hmm. well just just to go back a little bit um I, I want to point out, like we we so quickly go to purpose without process. And mm-hmm. I remember as a counselor to myself, I was like, Chrissy, you have to let it hurt. You have to feel these emotions. Mm-hmm. Don't try to control. Don't try to jump to what the purpose is. Like feel the emotions. God will bring the purpose. And so good. it was so interesting because I, I received a call and it said, hey, I am a fellow pastor a doctor, a theologian from upstate New York. I said, do you want to write this book together to just help educate people, specifically Christians in leadership, that talking about mental illness, talking about depression, talking about the hard topics like addiction and suicide, 
should be topics that we talk about in the church, topics we get help for within the church body. And, and so we wrote this book, actually have it. <laughs> it's like, oh, I have it. I um, do too. Yay. It's so good. <laughs> oh, thank you. But it, it, we call it a project more than a book because we want it to encourage people and educate people and really give people the courage and freedom to talk about what they're struggling with, what they're battling. We want them to share that without shame of judgment. Mm-hmm. We want them to share it and know that God's love doesn't change for them and that our love for each other shouldn't change if we struggle and battle these things. But it, it talks about how the gospel brings hope to anxiety and depression. And it talks about how just because we struggle with these things doesn't mean, like I said, God does not love us. It doesn't mean that we don't love God. Um, it means that we need God. Oh, for sure. We just need God. And that God, understands what we're dealing with and all these lies and pains and and um, suffering that we endure god loves us and accepts us just the same for these things and so this gives a safe place to talk about these things and really to give permission to christians and believers that we shouldn't feel shameful if we are experiencing these things or if we especially when it comes to suicide Uh, Suicide, we feel ashamed that our spouses took their life. We feel ashamed that it's part of our story and what people might think of it. And I remember the first month I I felt like I needed to tell people my husband died of cancer because Mm -hmm. I didn't want the judgment and shame. But when I stepped out in freedom and I was vulnerable to talk about these things openly, I found the Lord's grace Mm -hmm. redemption and that he was actually glorified through the hard parts of my life and the parts I didn't want to talk about. So really this book um, talks, just helps people know they're not alone and that um, nothing is wrong with you if you're dealing with these things. And so these are some of the messages I feel like we need to be talking about and we need to be sharing with people who are battling these things. Absolutely. And shame is another one of the enemy's favorite tactics. Mm -hmm. And it's encouraging in this day and age, suicide isn't so much something you put in the closet. And I'm thankful for that because there's suicide throughout the generations that goes back to Bible times. Mm -hmm. But shame was most likely part of our husband's stories because they could not verbalize what they were going through. So Satan won part of the battle through shame in their lives. But I remember early on, I was like, Satan, you have had enough for our family and my children and my family. We are not going to walk in shame. We didn't make the choice. And ultimately, I believe Satan's the one that comes to steal, kill and destroy. So you're not going to win this battle. We're we're not going to walk in shame. So moms, hold your heads up high encourage your children to hold their heads up high. It's not going to be an everyday table conversation, but I do encourage you to let it be a conversation in your home when it's age appropriate for your children. I always say you put into the suitcase of their hearts what they can carry. Corey Ten Boom, I think, said that, but it helped me so many times when I was trying to lead my children in this journey. I knew I couldn't just close the door and we're not going to talk about this because I believe that's how the enemy carries the sin through the generations is no one's talking Mm -hmm. about it. And it is something too shameful to talk about. So of course, he's going to keep repeating the same story and Mm -hmm. we've got to stop that. So Chrissy, what are some helpful things that you can share for these moms to understand about the tragic experience of suicide, some helpful things that you've learned through these conversations with other people who are struggling? Yes. Well, it's interesting because again, I do help people who, who struggle with losing a loved one from suicide, but I'm also one that has personally experienced it. So I'm I'm learning with my relationship with the Lord and my personal experience, but I'm also learning from others and as they share with me about their experience. And 
a lot of the messages I feel that are important as we process through this painful and tragic death by suicide and losing someone to suicide is that we are not alone. We feel alone, but the truth is we are not alone. And I remember when I sat in a room with seven other widows whose husbands all took their life, whose husbands were all serving in ministry at the time, I just weeped because I didn't think I would share my story so openly because of that shame aspect. Like no one will understand me. No one will get it. And when I sat in a room with seven other women who got it, it was life-changing for me just to know you're not alone. And if you're listening to this and you've experienced losing a spouse to suicide, I just want to tell you, you're not alone. You're not. It's a sad group to be a part of. I know you'd never wanted to be a part of it, but there are so many amazing women out there who are and who are feeling the same thing you are. Another message that I feel like is very important to share is that there's nothing wrong with us because our spouses chose to take their life. I think oftentimes we see it as a reflection of who we are or what we did right and wrong and what we could have done differently. And, and like you had said, we we didn't do this. We didn't make this decision for them. They made the decision. And, and so we have to speak truth over ourselves that, yeah, we're, we're imperfect. Mm-hmm. But God does not punish us because we couldn't fix it. God does not see us differently because we couldn't save them. He loves us so much. And uh, especially as scripture says, we know this, like there's a special, beautiful promise to widows and orphans. And that is the truth. And oftentimes we feel like something is wrong with us. And that's just not true. Another thing I feel like is an important message to share is that you didn't fail him and you didn't fail your children. And that failure aspect can dig itself pretty deep within us. Yes. And when I talk about my children, especially because I'm in the process of it, you know, they're only five. So I have so much ahead of me Mm -hmm. and I already fear that failure that I'm not going to be enough for them or that Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to blame me for what their dad chose to do. And I have to, again, speak truth over that, that I'm not a failure that I did not fail him. And that even though I'm broken, I'm human, I'm going to sin, not do everything perfectly. That if I keep showing up, loving unconditionally and trusting that the Lord will take care of us, um, then my children are going to be okay. And so um, just one more, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm giving you too much. No, but let me insert, they're going to be more than okay with God. If you direct them to God, they're going to be more than okay. And that's what I've loved about meeting you is I am in a constant state of worry about my children. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm very human guys. So um, I worry about them and and I fear failing them and I fear what the world is going to do to them. But when I see women who have gone before me and done it and who can testify that God has taken care of them and walked with them through it, like you, Lori, that gives me encouragement and hope that we can do this, that God does provide, that God is taking care of us. Yes. That's why community is so important. <laughs> For sure. And and being vulnerable with our story and not hiding alone and isolating and feeling like, again, Satan wants us all to feel like we're the only ones going through whatever it is. And mm-hmm. that's such a lie. And he doesn't have a lot of tricks in his bag, really. I mean, they're the same old coming up against who we are in Christ and all the things, but tell us the last thing that you were going to share. I think something that I've really worked through in my, my own counseling with my counselor is false guilt versus Mm -hmm. true guilt. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is a counseling term as well, but knowing what is truth and what is false and, Mm -hmm. and being, being able to stop in your grief and stop and say, and that really goes back to, what ifs and if onlys and Mm -hmm. could I have changed it or fixed it or, and that is going back to truth of saying, God's truth says this, this is what I'm believing, but God's truth says this, Mm -hmm. this is how I'm feeling and believing, but going back to like, but what is truth? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of that we call it CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, but it's our, our thoughts 
are so important. They do determine our beliefs, our actions. And so we need to always put, I, I'd say like truth over the lies that Satan tells us. And, and, and that's so important and it takes discipline and it's hard to do that sometimes because you just want to feel down. <laughs> you want to feel what you're feeling, but it's always oh, yeah. it's important to go back to truth and say, these are lies, but this is truth. And that's why community is important. We need a safe friend that we can come and say, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm believing. And they can hold up that standard of truth from the word of God for what God says. And this is why Perspective Ministries is Perspective Ministries, because I truly believe our perspective in God and in his word will determine the outcome. Truly, moms, you have a course. You, It's not an easy road. Life isn't easy, no matter if your husband committed suicide or not. But your perspective is going to take you. You know how you can veer off course just a little bit, one turn, and all of a sudden you're going to end up in a different place. And so with your children, you have to feel the loss with your children. I want to say it's almost a, it is a daily loss. It's daily. Dad's not, daddy's not there every single day. And there's going to be times where they will verbalize that, or you're going to just help them verbalize that. Not that that's going to be an altar that you set up and erect in your home, that the altar of the daddy who's not here, but there is absence. So you feel that loss with your children, but you soon direct them to the truth that God is a father to the fatherless. Mm-hmm. And I I remember I'm I'm empty nest now. My children are adults. They're grown. They were, for those just now listening, they were ages 10 to 13 months, eight of them. And so I remember at the time, as I was directing their focus to God as Father, in my mind, I was thinking it was probably the enemy mixing in a little bit like, that is so mean to tell them just to God is Father when he's not here with skin on. And But I knew I had to hold on to that Psalm 68, 5, that he promised to be a father to the fatherless. So if you made that promise, God, if if you're going to declare yourself to be a father to the fatherless, I'm going to believe you at your word. And I'm going to tell my children that good news. We're not going to live with this banner of shame that we're fatherless. We lived every day knowing they were fatherless, but we weren't going to live in a shameful way with that. Um, You know, you take your children to dads and donuts and, oh, you're anticipating there's no dad. Well, how many kids in the class have God as father? And so it was constantly shifting that perspective. So we got a little bit on a rabbit trail, but I believe it's important for us to encourage our children in the truth against those lies as well. So talking about lies, what are some of the lies Mm -hmm. that our husbands did believe? Because I know we have to keep uncovering the enemy and his tactics. So Mm -hmm. what are some of the lies that you have found these men and women who make this choice? What were they believing? So we know how to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, especially with men, they're not going to verbalize these things. Mm -hmm. They're not going to talk about their feelings. Um, Thankfully, with my late husband, he was very verbal with me. He was able to, to talk about them, but he was unable to know where they fit in with everything mm-hmm. because the beliefs had become so strong and the feelings had become so strong. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they, they just eventually took over all the truth that he did know. And, and some of the things that he shared with me was that he hated himself, uh, believed life would be better. Uh, for everyone in his life if he were gone Mm -hmm. and that he really believed that I would get remarried and the kids would have a better dad and uh, if he was just not here anymore Mm -hmm. Um, and there were often times he just didn't believe that he could see redemption on this side of heaven Mm -hmm. for the mistakes he made he didn't believe his suffering would end Mm -hmm. Um, He didn't know that God could use him because like I said, he was addicted to opioids and in ministry, that's a huge deal. You you don't struggle with 
this, this, and this, or you're discounted mm-hmm. from ministry. And that's not true. Mm-hmm. But because he was told that by many pastoral leaders and people that he looked up to and respected, he really believed that God couldn't use him anymore, that he had failed so terribly. And the sad thing is, is like, as believers who didn't really know how to handle these issues with a, a male uh, who a pastor who was struggling with these things told him, you need to go pray more. You need to get right with the Lord. And, and because that's what they knew to say mm-hmm. instead of these are real issues and we may not understand them, but we're going to try. We're going to love you through it. We're going to support you through it. Let's get you to someone who does a professional. Mm-hmm. And, and those are the true statements I believe he needed to hear and be reminded of. But the false statements, the lies took over. And I, I feel like that happens so often with so many of us. And many probably can, can attest to that uh, who have lost loved one by suicide, that these are the thoughts they believed about themselves. Yes. And that's why your work is so important and your project is so helpful to let people know and maybe sound an alarm for the church, the body of Christ. Again, not to fault them. They just don't know. They don't. So when they don't have the tools to know how to help others, they just stay in their lane, you know? So I think what you're doing is bringing an awareness, which is what this whole week is about too, but also just to give permission for the church to explore maybe some new areas of thinking with people who are in the body, who are in part of the flock. They're not all squeaky clean with uh, (laughs) uh, not having struggles. I mean, we we want people in the church to not have struggles, right? But we all do. We all do. Yes. I would love not to suffer. (laughs) I would would love to be able to not suffer and I would love to take suffering from others. But as believers who read scripture, suffering is a part of this life on earth. And we need all the resources that God provides us. And we need all the community, the loving community, not necessarily to have all the answers, but to say, I'll stand by you and I will love you through whatever you're battling. And I believe the church, that's what the body of Christ should be doing for each other. And if we're not talking about these things, then we're not providing that safe place for people to share that they're thinking about suicide or thinking about all these other beliefs that they're adapting. And, and so we need to become a safe place who will talk about these things and then love people through them, even if we don't have all the answers. That's so true. And, and moms, I know some of you may be thinking, well, yeah, my church fits that category. They don't have a clue. Don't turn away from the church though, because Mm -hmm. that would be Satan's biggest plan is for you to walk away from community of faith because no one understands you. First of all, God understands. He gets it. So you're not alone. You have God. And I know sometimes that doesn't feel like enough, but he is enough. Also, you only need one or two friends. I'm 23 years down the road and Satan has come at me even recently with the same old junk, the same Mm -hmm. old lies. And it starts to take you on this spiral down because he gets us repeating the lie and then he gets us thinking it over and over. And then we start to slowly believe that and we relive again what we feel we could have done to make it all better. Thankfully, the Lord has given me just a couple of friends and that's all I've needed who 23 years later are still listening to the same conversations (laughs) that I share with them. And they're saying the same truth. And it makes me cry because they're so valuable in my life. And, And so maybe you don't have that person yet in your life, but pray, we'll pray the Lord would bring someone that is for you. And you can call and say, I'm fighting the enemy again and that's who you are fighting it's it's you're fighting the enemy so i think you've already talked about some of the lies that women believe regarding suicide is there any that you want to add to what's already been said i do want to say just kind of off of what you just shared is that it comes back it's not something that you get over in one two three years 
It's something that will always come back probably. Be prepared for that. But also know that there's healing mm-hmm. in that process. That I, I do not like the, the phrase time heals <laughs> wounds because I think time changes wounds. But I think we're always in a process of healing. But I've seen even in three years, and you could probably testify to 23 years, how God has healed in, in my three years. And even though it's very painful and it's still a daily process, a daily discipline to believe truth over lies, just know that it's going to come, that it doesn't mean you're not healing. You actually are healing. But vulnerability and, and grief, all of that is strength as well. Talking about it, being okay that you so have that grief is so important. It's okay that we don't have it together. I, I tell people we connect more through our weaknesses because mm-hmm. through our weaknesses that God shows his strength and his power. And, and so I just want to encourage you, if you're not where you want to be, if you're still feeling that shame of being a suicide survivor, know that God is healing you, that God is using it. And there's a fight inside of us and and to keep fighting for the truth that God is going to make it right one day. We may not understand it right now, but God is going to make it right one day and to trust that and hold on to that. For sure. And it is a fight, but in that fight, we are growing and it's how God is bringing about a beautiful intimacy with him that is good. And Part of the fight is against change, but I'm going to tell you, you're going to be a different person. And so the sooner we can release ourselves into God's care, he's the potter, we're the clay, he's doing a work in our lives, we're not going to be the same people. Mm -hmm. And that's called sanctification, and we won't ever get to the end of it, but you're going to like the new you, you really are. And you're really going to like your new life. Again, I say I can, with tears, say I I still love my husband. I still miss him. But I absolutely love the life the Lord has given to me. I love life. I love what he's called me to do. I don't love that suicide is part of my story, but I love the work that God has done in my heart Mm -hmm. through this type of suffering. So I hope Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Uh, I would have never chosen suicide. I would not wish it on anyone, but it's Mm -hmm. just how God uses everything for our good and his glory, I guess is how I would phrase that. He takes what was meant for evil and he turns it for good. Suicide is never part of God's plan. He's about life and life abundant, Mm -hmm. but he is God so he can take the worst situation and he can use it for his glory. Satan is not ever going to win. And that's Mm -hmm. an amazing truth to hold Mm -hmm. on to. So Chrissy, what have you learned that will help moms combat the fear that their children will follow in the same pattern as their dads? And maybe, maybe you're early in, you're only a few years in, so maybe you still carry that fear, but how are you combating that or, or what would you encourage moms to think about with that lie from the enemy? So this is something I actually get asked about a lot. I don't know if that's okay. normal or not normal, but but for me, I, I do get asked this and, and it is a fear of mine. Like as a professional in the field of like brain health, behavioral health, I know that mental illness and, and things that can contribute to suicide those things can be genetic. They can run in families. And I think this is where we trust in the Lord, trusting in his promises that he created us for a purpose that he's going to take care of us. Trust is so important here. And I I tell people who ask me these questions, I'm very honest and open with them because I know nature says that, yes, they could struggle with the same things that their dad struggled with, especially knowing that their dad took their life. Most likely they may struggle with these things, but I also believe even though nature plays a role, I also believe in nurture. And um, 
how we raise our kids. Mm -hmm. And I believe that nurture plays a huge role in their lives as well. And I choose to believe that how I raise them, how I nurture them will trump that we'll battle that every step of the way. And as moms, we, we want to control everything about our children. We want to give them the best life possible. And, and we feel like we're almost starting behind everybody else because of the trauma that happened through suicide. And I, I'm learning that as a mom, I think I'll always worry about my kids. <laughs> I think, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Even when they're adults, you'll worry about them. But what can I do? I can speak truth over them. Like we've talked about, I can surround mm-hmm. them with unconditional love, with compassion, and of course, a lot of prayer. I call them battle cries. I do battle cries over my children at night. I pray over them and and battle for them with the Lord that he will take care of them and proclaiming trust that he will fulfill that promise that he takes care of orphans and widows and proclaiming those promises over them. And I I just believe that how we nurture them, and you talked about how we need the church. I remember the first time I took my kids to church after Eric had taken his life. I felt so uncomfortable being there Mm -hmm. because I felt, yes, people are going to be like, oh, you know what happened to her husband or she's the widow or single mom. There's so many identities that we carry from this. Mm -hmm. But I knew one thing was bigger than that. And that my children were in the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. No matter what was said, no matter what was believed, that they knew that church is where they were supposed to be. They needed that truth spoken into them. They needed that community. And I want them to always know that even though the church isn't perfect, that is where we gather. That is where they will find community and and love and learn about Jesus and scripture. So these are just <laughs> some so of the helpful. Oh, so helpful. It's the church is where you'll find mentors. It's it's where you're going to find support. And like Chrissy said, it's not perfect. You're not going to find a perfect church. Make sure it's a Bible believing church mm-hmm. and that they're teaching the word of God accurately. But um, just go, just go. Just the same thing as just read your Bible. I know you're like, I can't even get out of bed. I'm supposed to read my Bible. Yep, read your Bible. It's it's nourishment for the deepest part of your soul. You may not understand it. You may not even have the ability to focus on what you're reading. Just just wash yourself with the word. But talking about identity... And your children. And read it over your children. Yeah. Absolutely. Those battle prayers. And and I want to encourage you, moms, we do worry for our children, but even reframe that we carry our children. We and when they become adult children, I have 15 adult children now with the ones that I've been blessed to have in marriage now. I'm not going to scare you, but the problems grow as they grow. And so it takes us to the throne of God. That's what it does. So we're not to worry for our children. We carry them to the Lord. We carry them. So when we're prompted to have this anxious thought or worry or the lies the enemy will continue to give you, it's another reminder to take our children to God, even when they're adults. And you'll find when they are adult children, it is the only thing. And it is the only thing that we do for Mm -hmm. our children. It's a beautiful thing. But we're touched on identity. How did you keep from moving forward without making suicide part of your identity? Because it's so easy. Oh yeah, she's the girl that wrote a book about suicide. She's the she's the faint. They're the family that lost their, you know. So how do you move forward without making that your identity? Because I think it's easy to do. Yes, absolutely. Especially when you start to find purpose, you have to remind yourself this isn't your life. It's a part of your life, but this is not who God created you to be and your children to be. Um, he has so much more for you beyond this, outside of this. Yes, he will use it, but he also has life. There is so much life after death of a loved one. And I, I tell people, nothing makes you really think about life quite like a death. So and true. Eric's death and his suicide Sometimes I want to sit there and I want to stop life and I want to take, sometimes I just want it to all end because the pain is so great, even three years later. But I remember I took a deep breath and I remember that I have life 
And God wanted Eric to live life abundantly. Mm-hmm. And Eric chose to take his life early. Mm-hmm. And God, I believe, have so much more for him. Mm-hmm. But he has so much more for us as survivors mm-hmm. after that. Mm-hmm. I still am in this process uh, of knowing who I am and what God is doing with us beyond this trauma, beyond suicide. And, and some questions I know I'll, I will not understand until heaven. But mm-hmm. something I remind myself of, and, and I it's a quote from my book, but it says, I will take back the ground that Satan thought he had won. And um, Absolutely. I can't. I can't take suicide out of our story, but I I can live out the promise, just like in Isaiah 61, where he says that God will restore. He'll make beauty from these ashes. Mm-hmm. And that is how I want to live my life. I want to live my life as someone not defined by suicide and defined by these things we went through, but we are redeemed. And that is our identity, is, is that we are redeemed. And we are here for a purpose. And, and even if we don't know it, we trust in God's promises that he will make beauty from these ashes. He does and he will. And it's not our identity, but it's going to be part of the tool that God uses to make you into who you are today. I've heard my adult children say, I am who I am because that is the choice my dad made. And because we went through suffering when I was at an early age, and because I was taught to look to God as Father, all that has shaped me into the man and the woman that I am. And so, moms, you're in the process of, you do have a big responsibility. I'm never going to tell you you don't. Every mom does. And when you have this weight that's put on you, you've been entrusted. God will carry that weight, but you've been entrusted with an added responsibility of how you frame your story, how you tell your story to yourself, how you tell your story to your children, how you train them in what they think, how they combat the lies of the enemy, how you look for God as father, and how you look for God as your husband. So Chrissy, how has God been a husband to you in these last three years? So no one has asked me this question before. <laughs> so um, I think that that is a, it's a painful one to think about because again, physically, we don't have our husbands here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have our best friends to talk to. We don't have the help of, of getting up in the middle of the night mm-hmm. if our children have a bad dream. Mm-hmm. Um and so it is not that physical representation of the husband that we know, we humanly know. Mm-hmm. I think it really has to do with knowing that we have a creator and a savior who does not leave our side, who understands that void within us, that loneliness, that ache from not having that physical representation of a husband. I think the comfort is found that God knows that, that God listens to us in our ache and in in our needs, um, that he doesn't leave us in that. He joins us in that and that he is present. And so I think just that comfort and peace in knowing that even when I feel alone, because I do not have my husband right next to me to talk to, I know that I'm not alone. Because that is another promise that the Lord has given me, that he will not leave me. He will not forsake me. Um, And that um, even though my feelings will say, you don't have anybody, it's just you. That's not true. I do have somebody. The Lord will always be there. He is. And he's as a husband. He doesn't replace her husband. But I get this from Isaiah 54, where He refers to Israel as a widow. And so I want to read this verse, Isaiah 54, 4, um, just starting in the middle. It says, you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood, and you will remember no more for your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts. And he goes on, he says, for a brief moment, I forsook you, but with great compassion, I will gather you. And so God Ladies, he's widows are on in every book of the Bible almost. They're my heroes, they're my mentors. He has been my husband from the time 
my husband made the choice that he made. I've looked to him as my husband because, again, part of Psalm 68, 5, he's defender of the widow, and he shows throughout Scripture that he has compassion on the widow. So, no, I'm not going to have physical intimacy with God as we miss. We do miss that part of our marriage mm -hmm. and with our husbands. But this may sound weird, but through worship, through worship of him, you're going to experience mm -hmm. this intimacy that is incredible and so i want to encourage you to look for ways that god is husband to you maybe he sends a team to come and do some home repairs mm -hmm. at, at your house and so god's using them as a vessel to care for you maybe he brings some people to help you make some decisions big or small and you realize wow god's there so he will love you and care for you as a husband in the same mm -hmm. way he will be a father to your fatherless children. So have you been mm -hmm. able to see any of that activity of God in the last three years for your children? Yes, absolutely. And honestly, when you talk about the role of a husband and how has God fulfilled that role, I, I haven't thought about it that way. But now that you say that, yes, God has provided for, you know, I didn't know how to mow a lawn and I, and I have people who mow my lawn. I don't know how to do plumbing. And, and there have been men have, who have stepped up, husbands of friends who, who have offered to help me with those things. So yes, I believe that all comes from the Lord. And when you talk about God as the father, of course, I'm going to get a little weepy because my children are everything and they are gifts from the Lord um, in this time of grief and loss because they show me what life is mm -hmm. and what joy is because they don't understand uh, this pain, this grief, this loss, like we understand it, at least not yet. Mm -hmm. And so seeing the way they live and the joy that they have is life-giving to me. And I can, I, I can just tell you story after story of how he has been a father mm -hmm. to, to them, to us, all of us. And, and, and number one is just from providing all of our needs. Mm -hmm all of our needs. And it's kind of when I get fearful about something, I remind myself, God has provided in the last three years, he will not give up now. And thankfully, I have my parents close by and, and my father, especially, he's a phenomenal father. Mm. And he, he said, you know, God called me to be a man in their life. And, and I'm going to be a physical representation, hopefully, uh, of the Lord to them. And, and that, again, I think it, it's all under how God has provided. And I believe God speaks to my children individually. Oh, they're yes. so funny. They have the biggest personalities. They're very different. Mm -hmm. But how they interact with God, how they talk about God and see God is so unique. I know but he has a relationship with them even at a young age. Mm -hmm. And, and I am going to trust that that relationship will grow and that they will start seeing when they feel fatherless, they'll start seeing how God has been the father to them the whole time. So they will Chrissy, cause you're going to nurture them in that way. You're going so. to <laughs> lead them in that way. And it's like this treasure hunt. Uh, God doesn't always jump out and here I am, you know, it's, it's looking for him. And as you just said, remembering, remember, okay, you were faithful here. Well, you're the same God, your character doesn't change. You're going to be faithful in this next part of the journey. And so mm -hmm. uh, it is a journey and it's an exciting journey and you're going to love your journey. It's, it's going to it gets better, it gets harder, it gets easier, it gets challenging. It's just a mixture of everything. But again, that's not unique to those of us who've had a loss by suicide. That's the journey with the Lord. That's the journey in life. Mm -hmm. um, we could bring someone else on and they have no association to suicide and they're going to share a whole nother set of circumstances that God has used in their life. And so Again, this is just part of our story and your story, and God is good. So, Chrissy, is there anything you want to share as we get ready to close that you wanted to say to these moms who are holding on to every word? Oh, goodness. Well, I'll just say that I'm still in process. I, I 
have a long way to go, but something I'm thankful for is that I know I can't control it. <laughs> Even though I've tried to control my grief and, and it has looked nothing like I thought it would. But when I came to understanding that God's ways are higher than mine and that I can trust in his ways, that has brought so much peace and comfort in my grieving. And it actually probably took me about two years to get to that point because I really tried to control it. <laughs> and, but coming to that realization and understanding has brought so much freedom. And just, I want to remind you moms uh, raising children after suicide that God is Elroy. He's the God that sees you. Mm-hmm. And that has been, again, just so meaningful to me that he sees me and he accepts me at my deepest parts of my grief. And he, he loves me just the same when, when I'm joyful and I, I feel good some days. He loves me the same and he sees me and he knows me. He knows you. He knows your children and he knows us so intimately. And I just want to encourage you to be in his presence. Don't sit and stay in what happened to you. Don't identify yourself as a suicide survivor necessarily or a widow or a single mom. Identify yourself as a child of God because he is taking care of you. He is He sees you. He's watching you. And that, like we said, God does bring purpose out of our pain. And it's not in our timing. It is in his. And we may not know what it looks like and when it will happen. But we can surrender to knowing that God will make it right. He will redeem what he has allowed. And I love this song. And it's by an artist. He's out of Canada. But It's called Lion Lamb. And in the song, he says, he's going to make it right, child. He's going to make it right. And I love that reminder. And I speak that truth over my reminder. And I sing the song over my children at nighttime too, because I know God is going to make it right. And even in our deepest pain, and even when we're angry at God, we can trust that he will redeem this. He will. And he will take care of our children as well and stay faithful. Just stay faithful. Yes, he will make it right. And you said earlier, time doesn't heal all wounds. It changes them. And I've often used the acrostic for time is trusting in the mystery of eternity. Mm-hmm. That has helped me so much because there's a mystery about God. We don't know when he's going to make it right, but there will be a day where all things will be new and will be in his presence. And that's what counts. That's what matters. Moms, maybe you're listening and you really don't have a personal relationship with the Lord. I would encourage you to give your life to Jesus Christ. He paid a price, gave his life, the blood of Jesus, paid the price for our sins. And it's the best relationship Mm -hmm. ever is that saving relationship with the Lord. So. Chrissy, would you be willing to pray for these moms and for these kids in closing? Okay. Absolutely. Yes. And thank you for listening. And just know even beyond this prayer that we are praying for you Mm -hmm. and we're in this together. Yes. Father, God, you are good. Despite what life may make us believe and make us feel sometimes, God. Your goodness has no end. Your goodness does not change, God. And and you are present. You are present always, God. And we can be comforted in knowing that you are true to your promise, that you do not leave us or forsake us, God. And that is for us, that is for our children, for their children and generations to come, Lord. God, there's so much pain and hurt in this world, and we are seeing more and more people take their life, God. And it's heartbreaking, and it's heartbreaking to live after suicide at times, Lord. But I pray for each person that hears this, God, that you will speak truth into their life, that they are here for a purpose, that they are not defined by their hardships and the struggles and the things that have happened to them, God but that you have purpose for them beyond this. God, you have purpose for them in this, Lord. 
God, I pray for the mom who just feels hopeless, God. I pray that you will give that mom hope that you are not done with her, that you are not done with her children. I pray for the mom that may not know you, God, that this will bring her to the only one that can heal, Mm -hmm. truly heal, and that is you, God. Could not have even survived a day of this suffering without you, God. And I pray that moms who hear this will know that and will speak that into their children's lives. Lord, I, I pray for the mom who's tired, who wants to give up. God, I'm probably in that category mm-hmm. right now, God. Bring little joys through their day to remind them, to remind moms like me that you will give us strength. When we feel like we have none, you will give us strength. You will give us peace that passes understanding. God, and even though we're exhausted, God, again, you are working in ways we don't know. We may not see yet, God. And I just uh, pray over this podcast. I pray over this ministry, Lord, that you will use it to touch lives, bring people to you, provide hope and healing, Lord. And and we just love you so much. And, And we thank you that you say that nothing can separate us from your love. We thank you for that, Mm -hmm. and we pray Mm -hmm. that truth over everyone listening today. And just thank you for your love. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chrissy. You've been such an encouragement today. Thank you for sharing your story. Uh, We will have in the show notes a link to her book. You'll want to get it. You're going to want to get it not only for yourself, but to share with maybe your pastor or other people who are in the ministry, it might open the door for them to realize they're not alone. Not that everyone in the ministry struggles with depression, but they they carry a heavy weight. So we'll put the link to that. We will have the link, hopefully, to the Solace for Suicide, which will maybe answer some of the things you've wrestled with as you've been um, processing your own grief from suicide. And just know, moms, You have help in raising your fatherless kids because God is there. And we do pray that the Lord blesses you. Until then, we'll meet here again next week. Have a good day.